Hi, this is Denny Mayer coming to you live and in color from lovely Los Gatos, California, where today we have our inaugural podcast, Living in Awe, where we consider what would it look like to have a life where we would be living in awe of all the things around us, of all the relationships, given the circumstances of our life, our busy life, what would it be to have more peace in our life, more balance, and um, that's a large question to consider for all of us. Uh, this life is busy, and it's full of new forms of communication. I don't know about you, but I have about nine different channels that come beaming into my life when I wake up from WhatsApp to Skype to LinkedIn to Twitter to Instagram. to The list goes on and on. I just came back from China. Of course, I had to beam into WeChat because that's their form of communication over there in communist China. Um, some of the traditional channels I'm linked into here don't work there. So I, I, ha I became kind of one of the Chinese channels for uh, 10 days. That was fun. Today, for our, our initial uh, conversation, I've invited somebody in very special, a gentleman, Scott Broomfield, who is an entrepreneur, uh, been involved with many startups, um, has a spiritual side to him that he always uh, kind of taps into when things get a bit crazy and intense. Uh, as a fellow entrepreneur and startup guy, I think I've done about 21 startups in my career, which started back in the early 80s. I've always questioned what would it look like to really live a balanced, fruitful, kind of awe-filled life in a very busy life. I'm a father. I've raised some kids with my lovely wife, and I've always kind of sat with that question. And I know Scott has had a similar track in his life and has chosen to not move off uh, to a cave in Bhutan and kind of become a monk to find his balance. I've considered that many times myself. So, Scott, welcome to the podcast. It's privilege to have you here and maybe give us just a bit of background on who you are, and, and we'll just dive into the conversation. Denny, hey, that is so great. I appreciate very much uh, me being the inaugural member here of your podcast, uh, The Power of Awe, and to keep that in mind. And I'll start with just saying thank you. Uh, I am Welcome. in awe that you have invited me to be the first guest. So uh, uh, sometimes uh, we can look at the universe and be in awe of things that are mighty and large. And sometimes it's important to be in awe of the little things and the simple things and to yeah. be able to rest with that. And so there's a, a part of me today that is in awe of being the person that you've invited to share this journey with you. So thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks for showing up. Great to have you here. Um, the, uh, the topic is interesting because it can go so many, many different directions. So maybe what I'll do is start it just from the simple perspective that oftentimes uh, we are bombarded, as you indicated a few minutes ago, with all of our social media, all of our news channels. We're bombarded every minute of every day with just information coming at us. I'll tell you a quick little story. When my youngest daughter, Lissa, was a, a small girl, about four or five years old at the time, and uh, she would sometimes sit with me while I'm watching uh, television, and she would always ask me, who's Arlet, Dad? And I could never understand who Arlet was. And, and so one, one day she said, there he, there he is again. He's on television. He's Arlet. And so she went up and she pointed at the television and it was alert uh, because everything is breaking news, breaking news, breaking news, breaking news. It's really not breaking news. If you were to stand back and turn the te television on on the Sunday morning talk shows, 
uh, on one Sunday and come back a month later, I would guarantee you it's pretty much all the same stuff. And we get caught up in our daily routine. We get caught up in the immediacy of the moment. We get caught up in the left side of our brain, the 4% side of our brain, and we lose the awe of the universe around us because we're bombarded every day. So the ability to A, recognize what awe is, and, and then to be able to say, how do we live in awe is, a, is just a fascinating topic. So I'm, I'm pleased to be uh, able to explore this with you, this topic today, and let's just see where it goes. Oh, no, fantastic. So in regards to um, daily practices, so let's kind of take a peek at that real quick, because we all have to get up in the morning, unless we're, you know, like I said, living off in a cave somewhere where we're involved with multiple relationships. Many of us run businesses. Many of us are raising children. Even those that don't have their own children are involved with maybe nieces and nephews, extended family. People are living longer these days. It's, it's kind of like the book on how to live life that my parents had back in maybe the 40s and 50s and 60s, that whole thing has been kind of, uh, it needs to be rewritten, rewritten because the ability to communicate, the ability to travel, the ability to have access to knowledge, obviously with the internet, with uh, social media and our instant chatting around the globe, it's kind of like we have to look at how to have a new discipline in a daily life to be kind of in awe and peace with all these interruptions. That seems to be a constant challenge. And one of the things that I want to share that tends, tends to work for me is this practice called deep listening. So when a client calls me or my wife calls me or my daughter calls me or texts me, what can I do at that moment to really be present with that particular interaction with that one person and not be thinking about my next 93 action items that I laid on that day, or at least that my, that the left hand side of my brain thinks that I'm laid on. So there's, it seems there's this fear of good word displeasing somebody because maybe I, I I think I've got those 93 promises or there's 93 action items that I have at least 93 every day. Um, you know, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to disappoint someone or I'm not going to get one of those things done or I'm not going to keep my promise. And that seems to make it a bit more difficult for me to stay present with the current conversations I'm having with a, that particular person in that moment, because I'm maybe projecting to a future action item, you know, that I have planned for maybe an hour from now or two hours from now, or I'm planning a trip or whatever it is. Any thoughts on that? The moment by moment being present, which is where I think awe lives maybe in the presence. I think you have hit on something. I think awe is being in the present moment. We've all felt this, Denny, and, and for myself, not often enough, where you, where you, when you're fully present, everything slows down. I was in a situation here just, just recently where I woke up one morning, uh, decided to go out water skiing with my brother, and for some reason... I just felt in the moment, in the present, the sun had come up, the, the, the water was smooth. We went to the, to the slalom course, and for the first time that I, ever, I would go around the buoy or the, or the little uh, the thing that you, you spin around when you're skiing, and it just looked like it was passing me in slow motion, and it was effortless. 
And so part of being in awe is being present, and when you're in the present moment, which for me, I will admit, is not a common thing, uh, is a is a beautiful place to be. Let me give you a second example. One of the approaches I use at work is I try to keep my phone put away whenever I'm in a meeting. The problem is, is most of the time people are constantly on their phones. Yep. Or a, a second example is I was at one of our Sustainable Brands conferences here just two weeks ago where when I was up on stage, I asked everybody just for three minutes to please put their phones down to listen to something that was going to be very important. We live in a frenetic society where we feel if we're not constantly attached to information, we will lose out in some way. That is not, to me, being in awe or living in awe. That, to me, is living in fear. What we have to do is try to reestablish a balance. The reason why we live in that places because it's that we're, we're constantly being pressured to perform, to be productive, to do more at work, to deliver more results, uh, on, on and on just every day. And the, the, some of the people I admire most are the people who have an ability to sort of settle in, meditate more. I do not meditate enough. I only meditate usually in the evenings or at night, actually just before I go to bed, where I just settle the mind. The masters will will tell you it's in the settling of the mind where you can actually listen. You talked earlier about deep listening. You cannot listen deeply if you're preparing to respond to the person that's talking with you, if you're figuring out how to f- 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 formulate your result in that, in, that, in that process. So I think one of, the, one of the elements there, that truth that you spoke of a few minutes ago, is, is to listen and not necessarily need to have a response instantly. Let it sink in. Uh, it's interesting. I find sometimes when I'm listening and somebody says something that is unexpected, uh, something I hadn't really thought about at all, I oftentimes go very silent for long periods of time. And what I will do is I'll say, it's not that I'm not paying attention. It's that I'm actually paying attention so deeply, I don't know yet how to respond to that comment you just made because there's something profound about it, and that that's one glimpse of of uh, you know of 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 living in awe. Let me let me try one other thing. This is something that I do because it keeps me. Well, I don't know if some people might not think I'm very humble, but oh, I, think, I do. Go ahead, I, I give, give it a shot. <laughs> I think it keeps me humble. Um, the universe that is known. Now let's not even go into the science of the multiverse yet, but just the universe as we know it is 96 billion light years across. To give that some context, our Earth is one twentieth of one light second. Mm-hmm. So think about one twentieth of one light second. How fast light can light can go around the Earth seven times in one second? And to think about the fact that light has been traveling across the the universe for ninety six billion light years. That that, that that that's the distance. At the same time, the world of the small, the world of the superstring, the world of the quantum is seven orders of magnitude smaller than the macro universe is large. Wow. That is a, a profound way for me to just get centered and say, you know, Scott, maybe you don't know the truth here. Maybe you should pay attention to the opposite as opposed to the positionality that you might, that you might hold in any one given day and, and then open it up. And that's another small example of how to live in awe. But I'll, I'll readily admit, I don't live in awe anywhere near often as, as, I, would, as I would prefer, although I th- think a lo- about awe a lot. 
And when I when I, late late at night, oftentimes what I do is I watch a TED talk just to experience someone else's awe, and that's pretty cool too. No, oh, that's great. That's fantastic. That brings up the you and I were both fathers, and when when our children were tiny and just entering into this existence that they they do live in awe it seems that i mean everything that comes into their vision or in, into their hearing or their touch or their smell for the first time or the first few times that it's it's remarkable remarkable to watch the way that they experience that and 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 are in awe with all of this the new life experience that they have which i'm going to share one of the practices i'm attempting to bring forth more each day which is compassion um, it seems to me that one of the main things that prevents me from experiencing awe on my daily basis is a lack of compassion and a lack of respect and listening that everybody else in the community is probably challenged with the same force field of activity and fear that I confront each day. And sometimes I forget that. So when you were talking about slalom on the lake with your brother and that experience of peace and where time slowed down, I instantly went to God, could I have that experience on the freeway? Could I actually bring that experience of awe and timelessness and just peace as I'm driving down a freeway where people are stressed out because they're maybe running late for a meeting or they've run into some traffic. How can I practice compassion for all those people around me that may be struggling with experiencing awe themselves? I've been trying that on lately because the, the other choice, if I'm not doing that, is I'm going to be judging them or yelling at them for not driving as fast as I would like them to or Maybe they've come from a different country and don't practice driving the same way I do, as we have here in Silicon Valley, people from all over the planet. So just stepping out into my life here in the Bay Area is a constant opportunity to, pra to practice compassion, which seems to be leading in to a sense of awe and appreciation for my fellow humans. And there's no shortage of them. And there's kind of this opportunity to kind of be blessed by them and be touched by them without them doing anything just as a deep appreciation. That's not easy to do. You know, I spent a day with mother Teresa once back in the nineties and you know, I was lucky enough to be in a room with her and about a couple other hundred people. And she didn't say a lot. She just kind of was present in the room and just kind of had this aura about her. And obviously she wasn't the perfect human, although she did practice compassion and love, you know, in her, her life stories about being with folks that, you know, didn't have a lot of physical things and she practiced love and, and so I'm, I'm, I'm challenging myself with that right now. Any, any thoughts on that kind of a daily practice that, cause we're not going to leave all these people around us. We're not going to leave the freeways or the cities or the traveling that you and I do. What, 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 any thoughts on that? Oh boy, that's very rich. Uh, I, I have a number of thoughts. I'll, I'll start with something practical and then move to uh, something sort of more experiential that seems to work for me first. Uh, just driving, um, you know, especially here in Silicon Valley, uh, the commute. Uh, I happen to uh, have a motorcycle, so it works a little bit better for me, and I'm purposeful with that motorcycle so that I can actually reduce my stress. Some people think it's more stressful being on a bike. <laughs> I find it's less stressful because I'm not stuck. That being said, if I'm driving in the car, person turns their signal on. You know they're trying to get over. Just give them the space. 
because oftentimes people won't give you the space. Yep. So just giving the space allows for a little bit of that awe because you know you've just done something that's kind of uh, kind of nice. The second thing I'll, I'll go to, which is a little bit more of an intellectual exercise, and this goes back to something we were talking about a few minutes ago uh, with the media. Um, when you talk about a person, a, let's say a political person, I won't na- name anyone in particular, that usually will cause a conversation to be two, between two people if they don't agree with that person to fight pretty pretty harshly because it's it's very it's it's very surfacey it's 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 acute it's very visceral if you go up a, a layer you go up to an event uh, something that happens that might have happened by that person but you're talking about an event you're in a situation where it's a little less emotional because the event is a little bit more abstract from the human the highest level is to talk about, well, what's the idea behind the event which the person was behind? And I often find that it's the easiest space to talk with someone that you might not agree with if you talk about the principle that might be behind the event which that person happened to do. Clear. That's clear. And it's in, it's in talking about an idea or a principle where where the interesting conversations occur because then there's a deeper understanding of why is that the principle that you hold versus why would the principle be that 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 I hold because it's in it's in that understanding that you see something I'll, I'll give you one small example I was fairly religious when I was in my late uh, teens and early twenties I had the wonderful experience of traveling around the world with three of my very dear friends Mark Kurt and Jeff. I came back from that trip fundamentally changed because my eyes had been opened, having been to 20 countries that were, many of them were third world. I simply saw a world that I had never seen before. And once you see something, you can't unsee it. Um, that's also where the, where the awe can happen. And so there's awe, there's awe everywhere. And I said, I'm, I'm, I'm more intellectual about it than I am experiential about it. Um, I live tremendous amount of my day in the left side of my brain uh, and in my life a tremendous amount of time in the left side of my brain we know that the right side is where we have the emotive uh, the the um, empathetic the experiential the that the, the the diffuse awareness happens and the, the creativity happens in the right side of the brain and I think that's also where awe exists. I don't know if awe exists a lot in the left side of the brain, but the awe certainly exists when you're well, operating in the right side of the brain. Denny, I know that you're a musician. My brother and I were playing guitars the other night. You came over with your flute. And I was in awe because the three of us had such a wonderful time just jamming. We were all on the right side of our brain, and we were just present for a good 45 minutes, and it was a lot of fun. No, I love it. In fact, I was thinking about today's podcast. We need to have a track. So I propose that we, you, your brother, Doug, and I put together some, you know, incoming music and possibly some ending of the podcast music here in the future. We'll do that. That's uh, that's coming from the right side of my brain, by the way. That's not a left side thought. So and we'll I, have a little five second <laughs> jingle as the intro to your podcast. I exactly, love it. I exactly. love it. That sounds yeah, great. I look forward to composing that with you, creating that with you. You know, I've been... Um, lucky enough back in the uh, early 70s to have had some pretty cool guides in the area of psychedelics, kind of a controversial subject, but little did I know at the time that when I was ingesting some of these um, 
different drugs, I guess they're called. Other people call them, you know, uh, sacred um, ingredients and things, depending on what tribe or what culture you come from when you study that stuff. But I, I've spent uh, many, many hours operating out of the right side of my brain, peyote, uh, some really good mushrooms over the years. And I didn't know at the time, but it actually did open up that side of my brain that never shut down. And I've kind of, I kind of look back to that time. And I know one of our future podcasts, we're going to invite some people in who are kind of experts in that domain. There are groups of people in conferences now. There are actually federally funded programs that people are having incredible success with PTSD, uh, end of life uh, here locally in the Bay Area. And we're going to bring some of those guys in. Um, we're starting to see a good number of um, people, once again, experience experimenting with some of that and hopefully it won't have the, the you know the negative aura that it did in the past because I think there's some things to be seen there as now we can actually measure um, in fact can you talk a little about that when we, we can now see the brain's activity and maybe a little bit more on the left and the right hand side brain I know we use those terms but a lot of what you're now you're now studying and now that you're involved with is actually grounded in science because we can actually witness the brain's operating the left hemisphere versus the right, right hemisphere. Can you speak a little bit more about the work you're doing, especially with women on that? No, I would love to. So maybe just a, a two seconds of context. Um, I'm um, uh, the chief operating officer and chief financial officer of a company called Sustainable Brands. And Sustainable Brands is uh, an organization uh, or uh, that um, has pulled together literally thousands and tens of thousands of people throughout the world that are uh, trying to move the needle in terms of sustainability, uh, making the world um, a better place both environmentally and making the world a better place socially. We convene um, all over the world. We do uh, 13 events all over the world and um, bring people from every shape, form, and size in to have a very deep conversation about what are the leading innovative ideas in either social, cultural, or uh, or environmental. Uh, last year uh, in Detroit, we had our uh, main flagship event. It's the main one that we do out of the 12. It has the most people. And I have an opportunity to meet, through these events, hundreds of speakers. Uh, and so because I can meet hundreds of speakers, I can really pick and choose the one or two in any given year that are very special. And this, this year, I met a scientist. Her name's Heidi who has studied 3,500 girls, trying to figure out why is it today that girls are being diagnosed with pathologies that are far greater than in any time in our society. And certainly, Denny, from when you and I were growing up, there wasn't self-harm. We didn't have the rates of suicide. Uh, certainly, we didn't have social media, so there wasn't social shaming. In any event, she wanted to study this problem and recognized after having studied 3,500 girls over 12 years, she did this a lot of this work out of um, Princeton. That's where she actually did her original PhD work in and then followed it up with activities from MIT, where she unpacked the fact that the pathologies weren't in the girl, the pathologies are in our system. And here's the characterization for it. Girls today are not allowed to live in the right side of their brain. The equality issues that we deal with are, are, are all debated within a left male-oriented lens. Yep. Our, our systems today are, tend to be more masculine, male-oriented, left-sided. Um, 
again, uh, quantifiable, measurable productivity, empirical, things that we can touch and feel. Now, now I will readily admit, as any reasoning person would, that that side of the brain has done some amazing things for our society over the last 200 years. We have inventions that, that we never would have been able to have before. But at the same time, all of our society is moving to that side, and what we have lost uh, is the underpinning of the right side of the brain, again, uh, not against, but uh, in, in conjunction with the left side of the brain, and we no longer educate the right side of the brain. We no longer honor the right side of the brain. There's one example of this that came out of Sir Ken Robinson's um, a talk on TED about education, where they were looking at a young girl who um, had hyperactivity disorder, and they wanted to put her on lithium. And he tells the story of when he left the room and he took the parents out of the room, he put some music on, and they went back into another room where there was a one-way mirror, and he said, I want you to watch your daughter. And the daughter started to dance. Mm, nice. And he said to, his, to her parents, your daughter doesn't have hyperactivity disorder. Your daughter's a dancer. She uh-huh. can't sit in a chair and do math. Right. She can't sit in a chair and do history. Math and history are left-brained activities. What she needed to do was move. Artists need to paint. Artists need to create music. Artists need to dance. You know, we talk about STEM, you know, science and technology and engineering and math, but you can talk STEAM, which puts art in there, or you can talk about SMART. SMART has the word art embedded in that word, embedded in that word. And so the work that Heidi has done is is create a is given the right side of the brain a language to it because it it is intuitive and things that are intuitive that we can't quite grasp because we can't measure every aspect we sometimes don't know how to deal with it and so what we've done through an organization that she created called Girl Approved is we're going through this process of of trying to teach in young girls the activation of the right side of their brain and to recognize they are not the broken ones. It's our society that's broken. And what we're hoping to be able to do is recognize that in rebalancing the system, the male-female relationship gets back into harmony so that there's no longer this difficulty that we oftentimes experience in our society. Was there a time... That's great. Thanks for that overview. Was there question, was there a time in the recent, you know, in the last 500 years where there was more of a balance that you're speaking to between men and women? Um, there was, uh, but it goes back actually to um, uh, pre-language. Okay. So the way to think about this is once language happened, we went from image, which is right brain, to language, which is left brain. So once language kicked in, all of a sudden we began to move into this mode where, where uh, it, it, it shifted. Think about uh, in our ancient histories and ancient civilizations, what did we honor? All of the gods were female. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Isis uh, uh, was female, and, and, and Mother Earth, uh, and, and so forth. And what happened once language kicked in, the, the female goddess began to be then become equal with the male gods, and as the centuries went by, the male gods got stronger and the female gods got weaker. So it started all the way back to language, 
uh, so it's, it, we're talking many, many, many centuries, many, many centuries ago, but it has become particularly acute uh, in the last 300 years. About 300 years ago, there was something that was created between Rene Descartes and the Holy Roman Catholic Church, was called the Cartesian Framework, named after yep. him, where they split science and religion. They said, we will allow science, this is the, 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 the church. Catholic Church, we, we will allow science to explore the physical as long as you don't try to explore the spiritual. And there was this discontinuity, a disconnect between the spiritual and the physical. Now, as we know now, given quantum theory and superstring theory, that these things are actually linked in, 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 at, at a subatomic level. If we think of a superstring as a vibrating piece of energy, and it's not matter, and we don't really fully understand it, it moves into the area of of the spiritual. It moves into the area of the of the supernatural, and so what happened that many years ago has accelerated the differences between the left and the right brain, and is particularly upon us now here in this in this twenty first century. At the same time, I believe I see this every day now. I see it all the time. There is an enlightenment that's beginning to, to come back into our society that's honoring more of this every single day. And it, we just need to be acutely aware of it and conscious of it. And remember, it's not about putting the right brain back on top of the left brain. It's to rebalance the two. Yep. The two are one and the same. Very nice. Scott, thank you so much for the overview. I, I, I look forward to... Um another session if you'd be willing to come back there's so much more to talk about we just scratched the surface on what uh you know what knowledge you have and how that could tie into living a life that has more more awe every day and um we've got some very exciting guests that will be following i, I hope you can come back real soon and um for all you listeners out there this will be the first of many podcasts we appreciate your listening and uh look forward to the next conversation have a great week cheers from los gatos